I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 76 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra's journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Bubbleweet from Fight Club Minute. Uh, don't hate me. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Bubba. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good to be back. I'm, I've, I've enjoyed this movie and looking forward to talking about it. All right, excellent. I'm very happy. I'm very happy to hear that. I mean, I, w- I want people to be here that uh, you know enjoy movie, enjoy the particular movie we're talking about, and and have things to say about it. <laughs> it's always a plus. Always a plus. Definitely. So, minute seventy six begins with uh, Joseph continuing his narration, and ends with Joseph telling everybody what Harry did. So we ended things on Friday. With George, last week George decided he's not going to to take the offer. That, that Potter thinks that, that no one can refuse. And he ends up uh, you know, going home, finding out that uh, his wife, uh, Mary, is pregnant. And then we get a quick narration as to what happens in the intervening years. Right now, the, the, this, this montage that, that we started on Friday that's going to continue through today will basically take us through about uh, uh, 11 or 12 years, depending on what year they actually got married and what year the whole thing happened with Potter. I mean, we know that 1932 was when Harry came back from school. And that was the night that uh, George went and met Mary, but we don't know, you know, how long it, they courted before they finally got married. So it could be that it was 1933, could be 1934, could still be 1932 at the same time. So basically this montage will take us all the way towards, uh, I guess you could say the present, you know, because it will take us uh you know, through the 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 intervening years of the late 30s, which they really go through very quickly, and then they talk about World War II, and then we'll we'll see where we get from there. So the narration continues into this minute with uh, us hearing the voice of Joseph say, "Remaking the old Granville house into a home," and at the same time we see Mary uh, wallpapering the place and you can you know as we pointed out last week you can see all the water damage and stuff like that that she's painting over she she's really doing a nice job of uh making this place look like a house that one would want to live in you know and and think about it they already have two kids at this point so Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it 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 means that that they've been in this house uh, let's say at least three four years at this point if not more where she is constantly working and uh, you know, dealing with uh, with setting up this house in the the proper way, I guess you can say. Yeah, I, I know how that is. We've we've lived in our house for a couple of years, and it's it was, you know, it, it was not in bad shape at all. But even so, we've still been 
making improvements here and there throughout the, throughout the house to make it more in line with our tastes. Okay, no, that that's fair, but I don't think Mary's doing this just to be in, with her taste. I think it's that she wants <laughs> she wants the place to actually look uh, presentable. You know, by the by the way that that that, that all looks. You know. And so the continuation from the, the the narration, so the narration from Joseph continues, and he goes, night after night, George came back late from the office. Potter was bearing down hard. You know, so that is basically the entire rest of the information that happens all the way till, you know, I guess, uh, late 1941. You know, as, as this is being told, you know, we see George come into the house, exhausted, did, did you notice anything scrawled on the wall behind him as he's about to, to walk up the stairs? Yeah, I I did kind of see that, but I, I couldn't make out what it is. So the only, the only two words that I can make out, and I don't know if there's any connection between the two of them, is Potter and Spook. Or Spook. So I, I don't know. It, <laughs> I don't know who wrote down Potter on the wall and who wrote down Spook's. You know, I don't know if it was George. I don't think it was Mary. I don't think it was something. Maybe Potter used to own this house. You know, wouldn't that be a nice twist that, the, that Mary actually bought the house <laughs> from Potter? <laughs> you know, because we, we never find out who, who owned it beforehand. Um, and, yeah, I imagine it was just, you know, the typical graffiti for the uh, abandoned house. Just kids coming in and writing graffiti on the walls and they just haven't covered over that part with the wallpaper just yet. Yeah. Well, we see that the wallpaper ends right before it. So they're, they're, they're about to get there, I guess. So, you know, yeah. and at this point it also, we see George, you know, starts, starts up the stairs. And as he touches the, the knob at the, the bottom of the stairs, it just comes off right in his hand, you know, which, which I, I think it's pretty funny that they, I mean, they're showing this test to show how dilapidated that the, the place is, but you'd think that if he's been living here for two or three years already, you know, it wasn't something that they just glued on and didn't glue on properly. It means that, that uh, you know, it either just fell off right now or it constantly is falling off. You know, they just haven't yeah, gotten around I, to fixing it. Yeah, I, I would think that if that if he keeps doing that, that's that's one of those things where just a little bit of glue, wood glue yeah. should fix that. And yet he manages it continues to irritate him for the next however many years that's right that's right well whatever i mean as as anyone who's seen this movie knows that's an important uh you know that, that that's part of the importance of the end of the movie you know it's another thing to show us um mm. you know how he is so happy that he sees the the broken uh you know knob so you know there's there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> and i mean the the comment saying that potter was bearing down hard means that, you know, basically George pissed off Potter last week to the extent that for, you know, for for a few years, let's say three, four or five years, whatever it is, Potter is is just, uh, you know, he's, he's after George. You know, I guess he decided he's not going to be able to buy him with money, so he's going to drive him into the ground. And, you know, George has to find ways, I guess, to fight back. You know, I think this is just a representation. Yeah, I, I thought that was, I thought that was kind of a weird line looking at it uh, out of context. Like I, I did watch the the movie. It's been a, about three weeks now uh, since I watched the movie start to finish, and I I look back at just the the previous minutes, but I I think it was you know two or three minutes back with the uh, scene with Potter. So 
it's if to me looking at this in you know in minute detail i thought that line kind of came out of nowhere i i didn't remember exactly why potter was bearing down on him well because he didn't he didn't accept his offer of taking a job by him mm-hmm. you know, he was offering him twenty thousand dollars a year which we we came i think if i remember correctly the figure we came up last week with is that's about almost half a million dollars you know compared to, to you know to money today so he was he was offering him a lot of money and george didn't take it you know so so mm-hmm. basically potter uh you know, the the line actually makes a lot of sense. It's it, it it says a lot. It says that that, you know, George's conversation with Potter last week was so intense and so uh, in, in, in inciting to Potter himself that Potter, you know, was, you know, for years now is trying to get back at George. You know, that that's how bad this whole thing was. <laughs> You know, I mean, for us, it happened just a few minutes ago, but for them, it's years and Potter just doesn't, doesn't give up. You know, he's bearing down hard, trying all he can to, to close the building. You know, so, and, and then, you know, they, they throw at us the, the the next big thing that, that apparently happens in the world, you know, besides Potter, uh, uh, you know, bearing down on him and, you know, it says, then came a war. Yeah, by the way, a war happened. But again, for people watching this in 1946, they all lived through this five years earlier. You know, so so everything that they're going to mention now is stuff that that, that people who were coming and watching this movie in the theater at the time, even though it was a flop, okay, they could relate to all of these things. You know, these were not just uh, things out of the blue. You know, the whole thing. And then we, we see a sign that says, checking station, recruit reception center, casuals report at side door. Okay, so the, the, the whole idea here obviously is, you know, that, that for people that were, you know, coming to be uh, checked in to see if they should enlist or not and things like that. And that, that that's what this comes down to. Um, and so then they start explaining to us the different things that all the people that we now know from Bedford Falls did during the war. You know, it, it, again, it's, it's a nice uh, way to both show a montage and narrate things and, exp- and, and tell us who each of these characters are and when, like what they did during these few years of the war. Okay. So they, they first start off with Ma Bailey and Mrs. Hatch joined the Red Cross and sewed. So we see a picture of the two of them, you know, uh, Wearing, wearing their their nurses' outfits and uh, dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Now, do do you know uh, when the Red Cross was begun? I do not. The the one thing that I do know about the Red Cross is they they do have that Red Cross trademarked, and anytime like any video games, especially, uh, it it comes up a lot with like health items. They're not allowed to use that Red Cross. It has to be a different color. Uh, because the, the Red Cross is specifically only for uh, the Red Cross's uh, logos. Okay, that uh, uh, it, it's it's actually connected to the to the whole idea of the Geneva Convention. The ICRC, International Council of the Red Cross, is is something that 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 was started in the late 1800s, and you know they they had there there was a Swiss millionaire. 
by the name of uh, Henry uh, Dunant that wanted to, uh, he was a businessman, sorry. And, you know, he wanted to, th th there were problems of conducting business in Algeria because it was occupied by France. So he went to France to speak with Napoleon III in 1859. And, uh, you know, then there was the Austro-Sardinian War. And during that war, 40,000 soldiers on both sides had died and were left wounded on the field in one day. So they decided that what they needed to do was, was create an organization that would be able to help deal with all the wounded and uh, give release, relief assistance to, to people, uh, you know, during, during the wars. And obviously, I mean, this is something that, you know, if it started in the 1860s and right now we're in, you know, uh, tw uh, we're on the cusp of 2024 as, as we, <laughs> as we record this, but mm -hmm. th this will be released in 2024. So, you know, we're, we're talking, uh, was 160 years. Now that's, uh, that, mm -hmm. that this organization has been around for a very long time. You know, they do have uh, a name for themselves. To be able to, you know, their their goal is to to help people in uh, war torn countries and uh, you know help with uh, uh, with POWs and things like that. I mean, you see in a lot of World War Two movies, you have you know the Red, Red Cross comes to check things to make sure that everything's done done properly and stuff like that. You know, we won't get into the politics of the Red Cross. <laughs> I have I have my own issues of it, but uh, that 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 is I, I don't discuss politics here, so doesn't really matter. <laughs> so, you know, Ma Bailey and Mrs. Hatch uh, joined the Red Cross. I, I, it's interesting they say they joined the Red Cross and sewed. What, what do you think they're sewing? Uniforms? Yeah, I would imagine. But like, why would people in Bedford Falls need to be send, would need to be sewing uniforms to send? You'd think that there was, there was a specific place that would be doing that, don't you? I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't know for sure, but I imagine that they, they would have you know, just centers all across the country, just helping out the war efforts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe they went to the nearest, uh, you know, larger city. Like maybe it wasn't specifically the Bedford Falls Red Cross. Maybe it was just up the road to, to whatever, you know, bigger city was uh, near them. Right. Okay. That, that that's fair. Um, and then you know, because basically you just see them with a whole bunch of 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 uh, of pieces of linen. So you don't know if they're if they're maybe they're you know. You know, they could be sewing uniforms or they could be sewing, um, I don't know, bed sheets. I mean, there's tons of things that they could be sewing that could be used in the war effort. So, but uh, I, th I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good assumption that, that what we're talking about is is basically the, um, you know, that they're, they're probably sewing clothing or stuff like that. Uh, and then, you know, the, the shot changes and this is uh, Mary had two more babies, but still found time to run the USO. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's another way just to throw that, in that that line is insane to me. <laughs> just how she had two more babies, but she's also running the USO. That, that that's like, I feel like that that kind of feeds into the concept, uh, especially like in in the forties of like the the super mom, the housewife that's that is able to do everything. You know, run kids, volunteer. And just miraculously has time for every possible thing imaginable. Correct. Yeah. Do Do you know uh, what what the USO stands for? I, I did at some point, but I don't. Okay, so remember. it's the United Service Organizations, and uh, the idea is, is it was a nonprofit uh, corporation that would provide uh, live entertainment 
such as comedians, actors, musicians, social facilities, and other programs to members of the armed forces and their families. Okay, it was created in 1941, and it always, always worked together with the Department of War and later with the Department of Defense because they changed the name of it. Uh, you know, they would they would get uh, private con- con- contributions, and the the idea was is to always you know find ways to uh, make the soldiers happy. Um, you, you see in a lot of movies, uh, they have like USO dances, uh, and, uh, sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll see, I mean, the USO was, st- they stopped it after world war two. Uh, basically the, 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 they, they closed down and then they, they reopened, uh, in three years later, uh, in 1950 during the Korean war. I feel like my thought of the USO tends to go towards like, uh, whenever they send the end. That's right. Well, that's the thing. To, during world war two, uh, they didn't do it as much. They didn't sure. send them. It was more that they were staying at home. And then during Korean war and during the, uh, uh, during Vietnam, that's when they would send people to, to go do stuff. And obviously ever since then, they've been doing that also because they, they decided after the Korean war to continue, uh, working even during uh, peacetime, not just during wartime. There's tons of people. I mean, the, the name of the the celebrity that everyone thinks of when they think of the USO is is Bob Hope. You know, Bob Hope uh, was mm-hmm. was one of the, the the biggest guys in the USO. You know, it, it's something that they they still uh, there's the, the USO still goes. You know, even today. And so what Mary, what they show what they show Mary doing is, is that. She's standing by a train car where there are soldiers uh, hanging out, and she's handing them uh, cups, which I assume have coffee in them. And then she takes out a bowl of donuts, you know, and hands hands them donuts. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess it was uh, a a donut and coffee and donuts. It was before Dunkin' Donuts came around, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, USO yeah. donuts. I mean, anyone who's seen Captain America, uh, Captain America, uh, in in the first movie, he was part of the USO. Uh, you know, going overseas yeah. and, and entertaining and stuff like that. So, how when when do you think uh, the idea of donuts came around? Huh. Let's see, like deep fried dough. I want to say, let's say mid eighteen hundreds, maybe. It goes all the way back to ancient Rome, yeah. where they would deep fry dough balls, and they would, uh, at this point, then they would put like sugar or cinnamon or something on them. So yeah, it, go- it goes back really far. I-, I don't know if they were called donuts at the time. You know, they were, but uh, you know, Chris- Krispy Kreme donuts uh, started in World War One, and you know, the- there's. There's a cookbook from uh, Germany in 1485 that has recipes for uh, for for what are known as what are known today as donuts. They they had a different name for it at the time, obviously. So yeah, the uh, the, the the donuts have been around for a very long time. <laughs> mm. You see, I was thinking, and do you see what she what 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 else is on that table besides the coffee and donuts? Did you notice anything else? Uh, let's see. Are those boxes of cigarettes? Uh, you know what? I don't even see. Where, where do you see boxes of cigarettes? There's like right behind the donuts. There's three squarish-looking boxes. I can't tell what they are. Or maybe mm, that's interesting. Yeah, the, the truth is, I mean, they, just they square like, shapes. Right. No, I see. I see what you're, I see what you're talking about. Uh, they're, they're rectangles, basically. They, yeah. I, they, 
they actually look like um, like bandages, but I don't think that that's uh, I don't think that's what they would be giving out to to soldiers. You know, take some bandages with you in case you need them. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but I was I was actually referring to what's what's behind the donuts and behind those those uh, rectangular packages. There there are packets that say on them milk, so basically we're talking about powdered milk. Uh-huh. You know, which which I guess makes sense. You know, they're you know you have uh, you know these soldiers on 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 the train, so you're going to give them powdered milk in order for them to to put it in 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 their uh, uh, in their coffee, I guess. Unless they're just giving them milk and donuts, could be also. Oh yeah, I I can. Yeah, that's uh, if, whenever I was looking at it, my uh, the resolution didn't kick in, so it was all blurry. But yeah, now now I do see that it says milk. Yeah. Um. So I, apparently. Uh, the idea of of dried milk goes all the way back to Marco Polo's time, which he when he was visiting Kublai Khan, he the Kublai Khan's uh, men would carry uh, sun dried milk, and it was like a paste that they would have. You know, that, that's something that that, that goes back uh, really far. Also, obviously, it's uh, it's used in the manufacture of uh, instant formula. Um, I'm, I'm I'm sure both you and I have dealt with that in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, I mean, one of the problems is that uh, or one of, <laughs> I guess you can say one of one of the good things about uh, about it from a movie making perspective is, is that uh, powdered milk uh, resembles cocaine and other types of drug, drugs. So many <laughs> times in movies, they they use that as the prop. Uh, they use powdered milk as a prop for, for either cocaine or, or some type of other drugs. So, yeah. <laughs> And then the, the shot changes, and we, we see Sam Wainwright, and and uh, then the uh, narration continues and says Sam Wainwright made a fortune in plastic hoods for planes. And uh, I mean, it's very funny. This is one of the shots in the movie that, that just doesn't look real. Yeah, yeah, it definitely looks you know, like uh, it looks like projection. they're superimposed. That's right. It looks like they're yeah. superimposed on them. Uh, you know, you see him like you see Sam negotiating with like two officers. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have a whole bunch of people walking by carrying all these plastic, uh, you know, hoods for planes type of thing. Like stock footage. It's what it looks like. So, it's, it's, you know, it does look like it's just superimposed right right on them there. And then uh, the shot changes yeah, again. Yeah, superimposed or, or the rear projection, which I, I feel right. like that's the kind of thing that's, uh, that they use for special effects around that time. Ah, that's true. Because like when 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 they have people driving cars and stuff like that, they would have rear projection, you know, making yeah. you you know making you see behind them the the road, <laughs> you know, mm. that type of thing. Right. Okay, that's fair. Um, and then the shot changes, and then we hear it's a, the Joseph say Potter became head of the draft board. So you know we see Potter uh, roll into a room, and three men that are sitting behind a desk all stand up, uh, uh, and you know, then then the shot changes and we see Potter going through a list of of a whole bunch of of different uh, I guess dossiers, and you see you hear him say one A, one A, one A. Yeah, I feel like the last one A, he sound he seems at least to me he seems a little bit more disappointed than the the first two. I'm not sure what it is about that third dossier that it's like, uh, I guess one A. Yeah, well, because uh, you know it, it depends on who it is. <laughs> He's saying to himself, "Too bad it's not that George Bailey." <laughs> <laughs> I want to send him out. 
Now, do you know what 1A means? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't do a ton of research, but I did listen to the, the Captain America movies by minute where they talked a little bit about this. And and before that, I never realized that that basically it's a pass fail and 1A is pass and 4F is fail. There There is no like 2B or 3C. Oh, it's yes, there is. <laughs> oh, there is. Yes, there is. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I have uh, three pages of, of, of symbols of, you know, that they, that they could use here. That they, these are the categories were, were these. 1A, 1A means available for unrestricted military service. 1AO is for conscientious objectors who were, were given, uh, you know, non-combat uh, assignments if that's what they wanted. 1C is someone who is uh, a member of the Armed Forces, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or Public Health Service, and these are people that are, that volunteer for service, uh, even though they're already, you know, uh, sent somewhere. They're already in some other uh, thing. One one D are members of a reserve component, meaning these are people who are in the reserves of the National Guard already. Then you have one D D. Those are for people who were either in the reserves or are students uh, that are mil- mil- military training. So it gives them a little bit of a deferment to finish their studies. One DE is uh, is is uh, is, an, is an exemption for someone in that state, whether they're reserve or you know taking some sort of training course. I'm, I'm not going to go through all these. I'll, I'll skip most of them. But you have I'll just read them off. You have one H, one O, one O S, one S. 1SC, uh, 1W, 1WR, 1Y. Uh, then you have 2A. So I'll just say the difference between the, 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 the numbers. So 2 is a registrant deferred because of essential civilian non-educational occupation. Also includes deferments due to full-time study or training in the central trade or profession at a trade school community or junior college or an approved apprenticeship program. So basically 2A means that you, you can't serve because, you know, you, you have an essential uh, skill that uh, is needed, you know, on the workforce. Uh, then with the twos, you have 2B, 2C, 2D, 2S. Then uh, you have 3A. It's someone who is deferred because of hardship to dependents. You know, I guess it, it means it's somebody who's, uh, you know. Like a single father. It could be. And it could be that that's what it is. And then you have 3AS. And then you have 4A. Uh, 4A is someone who's already completed their military service. Okay, then you, you you know you go through all the fours, but then the one we're mostly that we mostly hear is 4F. 4F is a registrant uh, not acceptable for military service. To be to be eligible, a registrant must have found uh, been has been found not qualified for service in the armed forces under the established physical, mental, or moral standards. Uh, it could be physical fitness and things like that. I mean, obviously, in in this movie, that that's George because of his ear, you know, which which apparently is the only reason why they um, they added that point into the movie just to be able to make it so that George couldn't go to war. So they said, let's give him some uh, small ailment that will keep him, uh, <laughs> you know, from going off into battle. Um, another one that's very interesting that I saw is an as a four G which is someone who's exempt from service because of the death of a parent or or sibling while serving in the armed forces or whose parent or sibling was either a prisoner of war or missing in action. So you see, there, there, there are a lot of these. (laughs) So um, then, then you have 4G, 4T, 4W. 
uh, what else? Five uh, A, and uh, you know, five A is someone who is either over the age of liability if a deferment has not been taken, currently twenty six years older, uh, and the age of liability if a deferment with extended liability has been taken, uh, currently thirty five years uh, of age. And then nowadays, the see all the ones I just mentioned, all, all these categories were categories from nineteen forty eight to nineteen seventy five, and then they. Uh, changed things in 1975, and now there there are a, a lot less. You only have 21 uh, different uh, categories now, as opposed to the, I guess it was probably close to, to 40 that we had before. Mm. But uh, 1A and 4F are still there. <laughs> and and the, the, what's funny is the list that I have here gives a lot shorter explanations for things. So 4F, it says, registrant, not acceptable for military service, period. You know, they don't mention <laughs> anything because of the uh, physical abilities or anything like that. So, yeah. So, basically, uh, that that's what uh, uh, Potter was in charge of. It's, it's interesting that they're making him in charge of it. I guess, I guess they know that he's a no-nonsense guy and he's not going to take any BS from anybody and therefore... You know, he's he's someone who will make sure that whoever should go will go. You know, he's he's not going to look at someone and say, oh, I, I feel bad for them and I'm going to help them out. <laughs> you need to have someone who's going to yeah. make sure that, that uh, the decisions are, are made correctly. Uh, then the uh, the narration continues and the, the scene changes again. And we see uh, uh, Mr. Gower and Uncle Billy standing on a podium uh, talking and says, uh, Gower and Uncle Billy sold war bonds. So the idea of war bonds is basically that people would give money in order to to help the war effort, and after the war, you'll get money back. You know, with with uh, uh, you know, with uh, uh, interest. Interest. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> I, I was. I kept saying. I kept thinking to myself, ratio. It's not ratio, right? With interest. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, and they, they only showed them for a fraction of a second. When they showed Uncle Uncle Billy and Mr. Gower selling the war bonds, you can see a sign that says, are you doing all you can, brother? Which I found to be a very interesting <laughs> slogan. You know, basically implying you can do more. So buy bonds. You know, that's, that's the idea. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then they, they show us uh, uh, a picture of uh, Bert the Cop, and they go, Bert the Cop was wounded in North Africa. Got the silver star. Then we get a shot of Ernie, and it goes, Ernie, the taxi driver, parachuted into France. So apparently he was there on D-Day. <laughs> and then they go, Marty helped capture the Reming the, the uh, Remagen Bridge. Do you, do you remember who Marty is even? Um, <laughs> I, I don't It's even funny remember. that they mentioned him. This, this is the third time in the movie that he's been mentioned. That's it. Yeah, I, one, one thing that I did notice, which I, I mean, it... It makes sense, but uh, you know, people today looking back at this, but the the flag is uh, you know from the '40s, so it only has 48 stars. Correct. Correct. Um, so, so Marty is actually the uh, Mary's brother, who was a good friend of of uh, of of George. You yeah, know, he was he was in the uh, you know the ice scene at the beginning, and he was also uh, at the dance. Uh, and he's the one that yeah he's the one that got George to dance. That's with right, Mary. but but inexplicably he's not at the wedding. 
Yes, he couldn't make it. Now, did you notice something very strange about uh, Marty's helmet? Um, yeah, doesn't it have like a blow hole out the <laughs> it back? It has a huge blow hole in it. <laughs> so I, I, I guess that means it's not Marty's hat. <laughs> uh, it's the ghost of Marty. There you go. That's true. And then uh, we hear Harry. Harry Bailey topped them all. And we see a shot of, of Harry standing there, uh, you know, in a flight jacket. Uh, looking like he's getting ready to, to, to go do something. Now, what, what I found really interesting, and we'll, we'll, we'll see it more tomorrow, but this also looks like it's somewhat superimposed, you know, that, that, that it's being shot in the background, the, all the other pilots. But uh, tomorrow we'll see if that really is true or not, because it, it looks fake. And uh, that's pretty much all I have for this minute. Do you have anything else for this minute, uh, Baba? Um, the, the only thing... I mean, you might have notes for it uh, tomorrow's minute, but you can kind of see a little bit of the board behind him. And I've, I could tell that it's got like a uh, uh, weather forecast at the top. Mm-hmm. Yes. Correct. Um, yeah, I, I, I noticed that also. I, I was going to bring that up tomorrow because we do see it a little better tomorrow. But yeah, you are correct. All right. So every Monday we have a segment called uh, Frank Capra Monday. Well, my guests will give their top five Frank Capra movies. What have you got for us, Bubba? Have you have you seen any other Frank Capra movies? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was gonna ask you about that, so like, because knowing me, that's it, you know, I my genre is I don't get around to as many classic movies. So I, I was gonna ask you how many Cap, Frank Capra movies do you think that I've seen? <laughs> I I will guess two. Um. Well, you are off by one because th- this is the only Capra movie that I've seen. Uh, I, I did consider to go the route of some of your previous guests that have also only seen this one <laughs> um, and potentially you know, list off some of the ones that I'm interested in seeing. But uh, I, I don't really know enough. I mean, I recognize the name of some of them. Uh, I, I think... Um, Arsenic and Old Lace is, is one that I would like to get around to at some point in time. But yeah, as, as of now, this is the only one that I've seen. So the, this would be right there at number one with no number two. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's possible. Uh, because, you know, he didn't really do uh, superhero movies. <laughs> so that, that, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, so so we will give five points to uh, it's a wonderful life, <laughs> and and leave it at that. <laughs> All right, very cool. So uh, Bubba, you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, sure, I I will kick things off uh, I, with you know the project that I'm most active in right now, which is Fight Club minutes. Uh, I don't go for five days a week. I just do three minutes a week, mon- releasing Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, where I'm going through the 1999 David Fincher film Fight Club, one minute at a time, and that's been a lot of fun. And uh, I'm I've really been enjoying going through that movie. It, it is one of those just dense movies where every minute has something interesting and. You know, it's got the foreshadowing and and the twist and you know the different ways to look at at all the scenes. So it's it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'd say at this point we're about halfway through. All right, very cool. 
And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly Life with its sorrow, life with its tears. 